Turned off by religion and hypocrisy? Hate being preached to? Something missing in your life? You haven't been getting the whole truth, the whole Bible, and the Hebraic roots of the scriptures. Get answers and treasures now on Solace Radio. We're headed for tough times. Contrary to what is being taught in many circles, uh, we are not exempt from judgment, nor would we want to be exempt from judgment. Uh, scripture teaches that judgment begins in the... That's right. Uh, not that we have arrived and reached the summit of spiritual perfection by our own works, but instead we are judged. The difference between the righteous and the wicked is not whether some are judged and some aren't. The difference is, is, is in how it's handled by the recipient. All are judged. All have fallen short of the glory of the Father. And as a result all receive judgment. It's for correction. It's it's actually a good thing because his judgments are for our betterment, not for our demise, but instead to rebuke, to correct, to chasten. As many as he loves, he rebukes and chastens, chastises. You love your children, you will also punish them when need be, so as not to contribute to their death. Spiritual demise. Look at what happened after September 11th. Now, see, I believe with all its enemy that America, largely the heart of the nation, is a peaceful, loving people. Unfortunately, I also know that in the last days that the whole scene from a bird's eye perspective is one of apostasy, rebellion, and lawlessness. Torlessness. And so... We also know that the Father is big enough to bring His people out of that. Come out of her, comma, my people. Right? If the result of studying Torah is you looking down your nose upon others that are not, that's you've missed the mark. It is to break. You see, we don't break the Father's laws and commandments and teachings and instructions. They break us. And it is meant to humble for the purpose of him being elevated and lifted up. Which is the purpose of the tribulation. Not because he hates us, not because he's angry. You see, he views things from an eternal perspective. We, however, wrestle with our flesh, like Shaul said. It's a constant struggle at war with him and his members. Until what? The day of Christ. Until the resurrection of the anointed one. We know that that will be the uh, the day of the awakening blast, right? Also, uh, what feast does that represent? Okay, that's right. The day of the awakening blast, the, the coronation of the king, where what? He takes ownership of his own, right? And then what's he do immediately after that? He judges the earth, the wicked, okay? Where we have the, the wrath of the Lamb. And you'll see in Revelations, that's the sequence. In Revelation, that's the sequence. But today we're going to begin in Zechariah. You guys know prophets were sometimes disgruntled individuals. <laughs> Most of them didn't ask for the job. All of them are hated. Yep. You know why? I've, I've come to realize that prophecy is the, that component which we cannot control. It's going to come to pass irrespective of our permission. And uh, so that's why many 
organizations. I don't call it church anymore. I've I got to really get out of that mindset. The church comes from the word ecclesia. It means the called out faithful assembly. That's what the, the church. We often identify that as the building. And uh, it's a hard mindset to break. That's why Messiah, <laughs> what he said when he was questioned by the disciples regarding his uh, uh, second coming, first thing he does is points at what they held dear. What did they, what did they hold dear? The buildings. He said, you see these stones? He's pointing at all the grandeur around that they so long for. You guys know that the city is going to be divided, don't you? And when I say the city, I mean Jerusalem. It's written it will be done irrespective of whether we like it or not. It's part of the plan. The Father is in control. We're going to learn about what happens after it's divided here in Zechariah chapter 12. A cup of trembling. Zechariah chapter 12. A burdensome stone. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretched forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of a man within him. Look at verse 2. Behold, I, who's doing this? Abba. Will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. Your scriptures may say nearby nations. We see this happening, don't we? The very fact that it sits there is an, an eyesore to the Islamic nations. Can I tell you that the adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Can I also tell you that very soon Damascus will be offered on the, on the altar of sacrifice for the Islamic peoples for the purpose of their real goal, the city of God. Damascus will be destroyed, a ruinous heap. Isaiah 17, verse 1. Never to be inhabited. Unfortunately, out of that will birth the mentality that Syria once again is the victim in the Israeli Zionist aggression. Um, have you guys heard of the Mahdi, the Islamic Mahdi? Okay. He is a descendant of Muhammad through Fatima, Muhammad's daughter. Fatima married Ali, the, uh, the son of um, Abu Talib. And that was Muhammad's cousin, and uh, Muhammad's daughter married Muhammad's cousin, and followers of Ali are the Shia Muslims. Okay, They're the more uh, violent sect of Islam. They have control in Iran, they have control in Iraq. That's why we have such a debacle in Iraq right now. They have control in Lebanon with Hassan Nasrullah. And also they have uh, uh, Syria. Syria is headed by an offshoot of Shia Islam called the Alawites, descendants of Ali. It's neither Sunni or Shia. The head there is uh, Syrian President Bashar Assad. And... Um, it's the perfect combination that will bring peace between Sunni and Shia. And what will unite the Sunni and Shia is their common hatred for Israel, along with a great many other masses, uh, from like Hugo Chavez of Venezuela, uh, Castro of, of Cuba. Tonight what we're going to do is show you all of the leaders in the world adopting, endorsing, and supporting in varying degrees of intensity policies coming from Syria. Every leader from Vladimir Putin 
to Hugh Gentile of China, to uh, Hugo Chavez in South America and Venezuela, um, and of course all of the Middle Eastern leaders as well. Okay, But before we do that, we need to establish our, these principles in Scripture. Look here. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people around about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and Jerusalem. And in that day... I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. It's important to put this in perspective because it is the Father that's doing this. When it shall be cut in pieces through all the peoples of the earth, or though all the peoples of the earth be gathered together against it. So the Father is gathering the nations. It is Him that's doing this. In, in Isaiah, the Antichrist is called the Assyrian. In Isaiah chapter 10, 14, 30, and 31. The ancient region of Assyria is Syria and Iraq. That's the heart of ancient Assyria. The Father is doing this. He describes the Antichrist, the man of sin, who is referred to in, in Isaiah as the Assyrian, the axe in whose hand is his wrath. Whoa. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Can I tell you also that the picture of Israel... And when I say Israel, I'm talking about Israel proper, the boundaries of Israel. It, the picture there in the last days is one of a, a reprobate people who have transgressed his teachings and instructions. Israel's a principle, not a landmass. And if, if, if we think that it's just the landmass today, I'll have you know that during the millennial reign of Messiah Yeshua, it will fill the whole earth. Can I tell you that Israel, the people, the free people, are scattered throughout all the earth today? Why? Because it's a preservative. We are salt, right? And we uh, salt is not only doesn't only add savor, but it's also a preservative. So if you remove the salt of the earth, what happens? The preservation of the earth is removed with it. Can I tell you that Hasetan? The adversary. You guys believe he is a serpent? He is, he used a serpent in the garden, right? To deceive, right? Can I tell you that when he is cast down out of Shemayim, the heavenlies or outer space, he understands that he has to work within the, uh, certain principles, just like he did when he tried to tempt Job. Do you guys know that? Uh, remember he petitioned and to, to see just how far he could go, right? And, uh, there were some parameters put on him. One of those parameters of Hasekan is he has to have his boy on earth doing his bidding. Just as Yeshua Messiah is Yahweh's boy on earth, so too Antichrist is Hasetan's boy on earth. Okay? He has to have a vessel willing to do his bidding. It's the Father, guys, that is doing this. And so while it doesn't make the initial pain any less, it does give hope for the future because he will not put you somewhere that he will not bring you through. He will put you places that he can that, that you can't make it through on your own. Make no mistake. For the purpose of him being glorified. In that day, verse 4, saith the Lord, I will strike every horse with astonishment, or smite, and his rider with madness. I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah, and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. 
Check this out. Look down in verse 8 for the sake of expediency. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Who is their defense? That's right. And his right hand. He that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass, look, verse 9, in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. It's disheartening that the overwhelming majority of the American population, and, well, for that matter, the world's population, is enamored by the prosperity gospel. Because that is diametrically opposed to where we are in the time-space continuum and in his plan for the ages. Scripture tells us that if the days ahead were not shortened, that no, what? Flesh would survive. Yet it's not being taught. Can I tell you that in Revelation chapter 18 and verse 4, it says that the harlot says, I will see no sorrow. I am no widow. I sit as queen for the purpose of fornicating with the system of the world, living luxuriously with the kings of the earth. Come out of her, my people. It's like a sacrifice of Cain. Cain had a sacrifice that was acceptable to Cain, yet not what Abba asked for. Many, many people today will have as their sacrifice, as their offering, attendance at church and guilt-driven compulsory two, three, and four times a week when what Abba asked them was for obedience. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? And he will say to them, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, evildoer. I never knew you. Can I tell you that there's hope? That just as after September 11th, this nation was un united, 90% of the people overnight began to pray for the leadership, and we were bickering over election matters and, and whatnot. In one day, Abba turned the heart of a nation. 90% of the people humbled themselves and prayed. It didn't last long, lasted six months, but the houses of worship were full for a season. When the first mushroom cloud goes up, can I tell you, the houses will be full again. And the nation from a bird's eye perspective as a whole will be better off. Why? Because we everything that we hold dear apart from Abba will be shaken. If we don't believe the prophets, if we don't believe the scriptures, please at least believe the news. All of the professionals say that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. <clears throat> Abba will speak through movies. He will speak through media. He will speak through a donkey, a burning bush. If I don't testify, the rocks will cry out. It shall come to pass that in that day that I will strike, I will destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. You know where Megiddo is, guys? 
Har Megiddo. It's the hill of Megiddo. It's directly between, guess where? Damascus, Syria, and the city, Jerusalem. Just off to the left of here. After Damascus is destroyed, which will be very soon, why? Because Damascus sponsors more terrorist organizations than any other nation in the world, including Iran. It is funded with weaponry, weaponry by Iran. But the, the, the place that the terrorist organizations, which I might add are being transformed to legitimate governments right before our eyes, i.e. Hamas and Hezbollah. You know what Hamas means in, in Hebrew? Violence. To do violence. Can I, can, can you believe that it's being transformed into a legitimate government where Russia and China and other nations are saying that they need to be negotiated with and sat down at the table? The place that these leaders, like Khaled Mashal of Hamas and uh, Hassan Nasrullah of Hezbollah, the place where they receive refuge is in Damascus, Syria. Remember, friend, that when, when after... The, the war in Lebanon last summer. Where did Hassan Nasrullah go to receive refuge as Israel was pounding the southern half of, of Lebanon? Damascus. That's right. Where is Caleb Mashal now? Damascus. Where did they have their terrorist meeting two months ago? Damascus. Where uh, Ahmadinejad of Iran and Hassan Nasrullah of Lebanon, uh, of Hezbollah, and of course Caleb Mashal, all met where? In Damascus, Syria. That's right, with Bashar Assad. And then uh, Prime Minister al-Maliki of Iraq was there last week and basically, for the lack of a better term, thumbed his nose at, uh, at America and said, America, we'll just find friends elsewhere. Where? Damascus. Where did Nancy Pelosi go? Damascus. <laughs> Where did John Kerry go twice? Damascus. We're going to show you all that tonight. What I'm trying to tell you is that there is one person pulling the strings, strings through craft and cunning and subversion, precisely as Daniel chapter 8, verses 23 through 25 said, and the whole litany of scriptures elsewhere. That place is in Damascus, Syria, and we're going to show you that tonight. Look at verse uh, chapter 14. Let's skip over to the uh, chapter 14. And thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity. The words there, if you study it, it actually means the city will be divided. Can I tell you that that's a, a basically a done deal already? We're just waiting for it to pan out in the natural and that is orchestrated and crafted by Damascus. When the Baker Commission traveled from the United States to Damascus, they said, if we want to achieve peace in the region, what do we do? We talk to Syria and Iran. Why? Because they're the ones that can call off the dogs. Hezbollah, Hamas, People's Front for the Liberation of Palestine, Islamic Jihad, the Al-Mahdi Army, in, in Iraq, headed by Muqtada al-Sadr, they answer to the Mahdi. Look at verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, 
and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. You think there's going to be any votes in the UN on that day? No Security Council consultations there, huh? Which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, or split in half, to the east and toward the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountains shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. I know Messiah, and I like to reiterate this everywhere because it is in stark contrast when referenced against the prosperity gospel that is is, is really contributing to the, the, the mass falling away as we speak. I know that Messiah, at the summit of his ministry, was not holed up in the Hyatt Regency in Chicago. He was alone and nailed to a tree. That's where this gets you. I also know that a great many people ha- who da- are dabbling with one foot in the world and one foot in the in the Word are also going to, when the first mushroom cloud rises, step out and be they'll be hungry. That's what this whole Messianic movement is about. It's not so we can sit over here on Saturday and look our no- down our nose at folks. It's a first responder type of ministry so that when they come out in Mass, they have somewhere to go to because Abba loves them enough, just like He loved you enough, to come bring you out of that madness. The place will be packed because the, the answers are not found. You see, denominationalism, I'm not going to do that again, uh, that thing is not where the answer is found because every denomination has a predestination exit doctrine that just, it might take you 99% of the way to the finish line, but then drops off. You see what I'm saying? Is Messiah's body divided? No. No. Some follow Jim, some follow Scott, some follow Paul, some follow... No, 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 no. We follow Messiah, and he follows the Father. Verse 4. Let's finish that passage up. I'm sorry, uh, verse 5. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains... For the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azel. Ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord shall come, and all the saints with thee. Those who have passed on. Remember when he was first resurrected? There were others that resurrected with him, right? They returned with him. In First uh, Thessalonians, I believe, chapter 5, on or about verse, or 4 perhaps, on or about verse 13, that the dead in Messiah shall by no means precede, I'm sorry, that the living in Messiah shall by no means precede the dead in Messiah. They shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain at the time shall be caught up into the clouds, and so we will be with the Lord. To what? Participate in the marriage supper of the the Lamb, which happens shortly thereafter. Look down here at verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12. Here is the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes. 
Their tongues shall consume, or your scriptures may say, shall be devoured in their mouth. It shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And also, look here, Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem. And the wealth of the heathen around about, this is very important, the nearby nations shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horse and the mule, of the camel, of the ass and of the beasts that shall be in those in these tents as this plague. He's saying that this plague, eyes will melt in sockets, tongues will be ablaze in their mouth. The flesh will fall from the bones even before the bones hit the ground, folks. Anybody have any ideas of what that might be? That's correct. Nuclear warfare. We're going to find out as we progress through the scriptures tonight regarding the Antichrist and his identity. We will find out that in each and every instance, <clears throat> excuse me, where he is mentioned, there is conflict and conflagration with him. This is very important. There are nations warring against him in every instance where he is mentioned. Okay? We're going to show you that tonight. In uh, Isaiah chapter 13, for instance, the, the nation is described as the mightiest nation on earth. What's the mightiest nation on earth? Right now. Okay. The people from afar off countries. Once again, from Israel outward. Babylon outward. A people who rejoice in the name of the Lord. They come from a country afar off, the Lord, and the weapons of his wrath and indignation to destroy the sinners or rebels out of the land. Isaiah chapter 13. One of the names of Antichrist is the king of Babylon. Where's Babylon? Iraq and Syria. That's the heart of ancient Babylon. It's also the heart of ancient Assyria. Can I tell you the word Babel means confused? But can I also tell you that Abba is not exempt from using a Babylon to topple an Assyria? Yes, I understand that this nation is confused and looking for identity. And we're gravitating toward pharmaceuticals and fornicating with religious systems of the world and inter introducing New Age mysticism and Eastern uh, mysticism. Can I tell you, though, just as Babylon of old destroyed ancient Assyria and toppled that kingdom, so too this nation, a confused Babylon-type system of environment, will also be used to lay waste to the more wicked Assyrians in the Middle East from the north that swooped down and invade Israel. That's one of the names of Antichrist, the Assyrian, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5 through 15, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 24 through 27. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 27 through 33, and even Isaiah chapter 31, verses 5 through 9. We've been teaching this for 10 years. Next year will be 11. The idea that the man of sin will not be known until after a rapture, followed by a seven-year tribulation, is an absolute fallacy. And if you believe that, you will be likely a candidate to receive the kragma, the mark of the beast. Because if you haven't been raptured and you're still here, then that can't be the mark of the beast. All the while, inside, it was nurturing that idea, that, that, that lustful desire to have peace and sustenance from the world and not from Abba. That's the whole spirit behind the pre-trib rapture doctrine. It is a fallacy. 
Why, remember, the harlot says, I will see no sorrow. I sit as queen. I have arrived. She's the, she's the queen of heaven. She doesn't know who she is. She has no identity because the only way we can have identity is in Yahweh because he's the only one with an eternal purpose and eternal, uh, eternal perspective. So anything apart from identity in him is temporal at best. In short, the pre-trib doctrine says this, that there will be seven years of tribulation followed by the rapture of, or after, uh, after the rapture of the church, at which point the man of sin will be revealed. We're going to find out tonight that's a fallacy and uh, th all throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, apart from the Father and the Son, there is no other person mentioned more often in Scripture than the man of sin. We know more about him than we do anybody else in Scripture, apart from Yahweh and Yeshua. He's mentioned by more prophets over more scriptures, uh, more physical attributes of his described. Why? Because he is the signpost that says, I am coming. You can receive him or you can receive me, but not both. Let's look at uh, <clears throat> Psalms chapter 83. I'm going to go through that again so you can... So that so that you'll have so that you'll have uh, a little bit of understanding of what I was talking about about the mark of the beast. The Greek word is kragma. It means an insertion, an incision, an etching, or a stamp that the, that the, uh, John saw placed on the right hand or on the forehead of those who uh, are in the kingdom of the beast. If I am waiting for a rapture to take me to heaven while the Jews suffer for seven years, craziness. The term Jew comes from Judah. That's only one of the tribes. What about the others that were scattered by the Assyrians of old? What about them? It's, you see how it's birthed out of replacement theology, don't you? I'm up here because I've arrived by my own works and them Jews are just going to suffer for seven years. Bury that antiquated, laughable theology. It doesn't stand up to the Scriptures. Step forward and say, look, I made a mistake. You know what? I'm not better than Israel. I haven't arrived by my own works. I share in the same fate of Israel. Look at the words that Messiah Yeshua used to encourage and commission people into the, the ministries that they were called into. He said, know this, that if they hate you, they hated me first. And no servant is greater than his master. It stands to reason if you think that the world is supposed to love you, that you think you're greater than your master. He brought a message of hope and truth and he was always narrowing down the flock. Yeah, come with me, but you got to sell all your possessions. Not because possessions in and of themselves are bad, but, but the love of possessions apart over him is bad. Psalms chapter 83, I believe recently, they found in an Irish bog this scripture, didn't they? Psalms 83, which described... That's neat. <laughs> they descri It described in detail the... Uh, Arab, Edomite, Ishmaelite alliance 
that is being forged and formed against the seed of Israel as we speak. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was like during one of the days of the most heated battles during the summer war last summer, wasn't it? When uh, Tyre uh, was being pounded and, 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 and by the IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, they started that war too. When I say they, I mean the, the, the Assyrians. Nothing happens uh, of any substance in the Middle East without Bashar Assad's hand on it in Syria. Can I tell you, friends, at the same time, the, the plans by the enemies of God encamped around Israel will be foiled and spoiled. And he, his desire, as we already read, is to destroy all the nations that come against her, to dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Oh, I understand that the, the world is looking for a, an ecumenical uh, apostate lukewarm message that says can't we all get along but friend we've had 6,000 years of trying that the fact of the matter is no what fellowship hath the kingdom of light with the kingdom of darkness Psalms 83 I'm going to go through a couple of these nations and we're going to especially focus on one key element that's oftentimes overlooked Psalms chapter 83. We serve an awesome, patient Father. He's not slow concerning His promise. He's patient, not willing that any would suffer, but instead that all would come to repentance. Can I tell you, you probably ought to abandon the death to America theologies. I understand we are dabbling in some wretched mess. At the same time, I also know from a bird's eye perspective, we haven't fallen away so far that we are teaching our children from the age of four and five to lop off the heads of the infidels for they are descendants of apes and pigs. Everything is relative. Okay? When I was asked, you know, there's several things that probably are making Abba reach his boiling point. One of them might be sorcery, which is the word pharmakia, where we get the word pharmaceuticals. Drug use. I'm not sure he really cares whether it's prescribed by someone with a PhD or a doctorate or whether it's purchased by the fellow on the corner of the street with the tattoos and the, the, and, and the pants hanging off his rear. I really don't think he cares. Honestly, if you're using that as an escapism to fill some void or wound inside that really needs to be filled by a relationship, that I can't, I can't imagine he would really care. Secondly, another thing that might be disgruntling and disheartening is the fact that we are religious in nature. We have our own way. And isn't that what all religion is? Our way of achieving a relationship on our terms with our God? Sexual immorality? But when I was asked, what is the number one thing that you think that is really bothering Abba the most? I had to say this, teaching children to hate. That is of such a reprobate and depraved mind. And it's birthed out of self-righteousness even. Yes, America is unrighteous. We are making unrighteous, un unwholesome decisions, ungodly decisions. At the same time, I know the only thing worse than unrighteousness is self-righteousness. Messiah Yeshua was the friend of sinners. The ones that get the, the, the ones that get the mercy 
the ones that receive the, 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 the pass, the ones that get passed over are the ones that humble themselves in the back row and say, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm a filthy wretch. The ones that love to be seen in their fancy robes, praying their long, extrapolated prayers in the front row, lifting up holy hands and standing on the corners of the street with these long, drawn-out prayers and pressing the people that are watching. Those are the ones that will hear, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. You know what? I have found that the young people in this generation are far more hungry than the folks in church. They're not in church. They're starving. But at least they're not self-righteous. The people with that look like they got in a fight with the tackle box with the, the piercings and the pagan markings, you know what? Guess what? They're going to be hungry when the first mushroom cloud goes off. And so we see how the Father uses His judgments to bring His people out of certain things that He's not happy with. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace. And be not still, O God, for lo, thine enemies make a tumult. And they hate that thee have lifted up the head. And they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people. What people? Israel. Now can I tell you also, I think this is good to mention, that there are people in the boundaries of modern day Israel that are not Israel. I can't help but to think that they would hear, you're of your father, Hasetan. Yeah, great, you're a descendant of Abraham. Islam? Hebrew? You know what? Unless you be born again, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Being a descendant of Abraham does not get you into heaven any more than being a Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Presbyterian, or any other brand. You know, Scripture says, Woe to those who pray with the covering, but a covering that is not of my spirit. Time and time again as we travel... Folks will, in an effort to kind of lump me into a box, say, well, what denomination are you? It's a sin. Is, bo- is Christ's body divided? Can I tell you that the kingdom-building Nicolaitans, the word Nicolaitan comes from the Greek Nico, which means to conquer or lord over, laos, the lay people, that are gospel, they're pimping the gospel from the pulpits all over America right now fornicating with the system of the world. They are also wielding confiscated authority that has not been given to them by the Father, keeping people in submission to them as a covering. Woe to those who pray with a covering, but a covering that is not of my spirit. Just like the Babylonians of old. The Messianic ministry is one of humility. One of service, one of, you know what, if the mic doesn't work today, who cares? You know what, if we can't get the PowerPoint projector up, okay. We do have this, right? It's better than a papyrus scroll, isn't it? We are the equipment. <laughs> oh. You know what is funny? Sometimes I'm kind of, uh, I like to study and pour over the, the Greek and the Hebrew and do etymology studies and keyword studies and sometimes I'll exhaust myself and get so frustrated because I can't find what I want it to be. My wife will aggravate me to no end. She'll crack open the message Bible and there it is. 
I know it's not a wonderful scholarly translation, nor is it the industry standard, but at times the Father will use something simple like that to show me what it's really about. It's about Him and not about us. They make a tumult. Verse 3, They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones or sheltered ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut off them from being a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they have consulted together, listen to this, guys, one mind, one spirit, one consent, one purpose. They are a confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom, you know where Edom came from, Esau. And the Ishmaelites and Moab and the Hagarites or the Hagarines, descendants of Hagar. Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Now what countries have we named, guys? Right here at the heart of it, we've named Assyria. Oh, look, here, let's finish. Ashur or Assyria to the north and even to the east also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Who are the descendants of Lot? The Ammonites and the Moabites. We're talking about Syria, Jordan. Uh, we're talking about Syria, Jordan, Lebanon. We're talking about the Palestinians. We're talking about also uh, Iraq. That's the heart of this little c confederacy. But what we're going to find out is it's much larger than that. This is not just a battle between Esau and Jacob. It's a battle between darkness and light. And that didn't begin with Esau and Jacob's conflagration. It didn't begin with Isaac and Ishmael's conflagration. It began in the garden. Can I tell you that when Hasetan is cast... You guys believe the word? You guys believe that Hasetan is not a pitchforked little fellow with horns and now? You believe that? Yeah, that's not him. Nor is he simply a wind or a goose bump. Right? Do you guys believe the Father has a tangible presence? One that we can't see because we are corrupted? You do? Yeah, me too. Uh, so too, Hasetan has one. And when he is cast down by the archangel Michael, when there is a battle in the heavenlies, he is cast, he's already been cast out of heaven where Abba, the Father, dwells. Right? He, there's no place for him there anymore. When he is cast out again, 42 months prior to Messiah Yeshua's return, he is cast from the heavenlies, Shemayim, to earth. Okay? And it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. For the serpent, the, or for the dragon, the serpent of old, we read in tw uh, Revelation 12, 9, I believe, that it's, of course, Hasetan, the adversary, is cast down and all of his angels, messengers, demon, demonic, uh, fallen ones with him. What does it say happens after that? Having been cast down again, having had his rear end handed to him again, he realizes his time is short and he is wroth with anger. And he goes after the seed of the woman. <laughs> I 
Ah, who's the woman? Israel and the 12 tribes. Think about this. It's not the harlot. It's not the church. Which is why we see churches from the World Council of Churches and, and uh, Theophilus, uh, uh, one of the leaders of uh, one of the main sects of the World Council of Churches and the 347 members or whatever congregations and, and 500 million people being represented by that leadership siding with Syria and Israel, uh, against Israel, rather. That's not the bride. The bride are those who have their identity in Messiah and come out of her, my people. It acknowledges two things. That A, he's unhappy with the harlot. For he, the father, puts it in the desire of the ten kingdoms that agree to give the beast or the Antichrist their power to rule to burn her with fire and to devour her. The Father puts it in their, allows the notion to reside in them to burn the harlot, for he doesn't like either of these systems, the beast system or the harlot system. It acknowledges that A, there are his people in the harlot, which is good. That's, that's good. Many of us, I, me, I was. I think we all were. We all were. Sure, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. But also it acknowledges that he fully expects you to come out of that, irrespective of how difficult it might be. And I think it's cool, too, because he's preparing the leadership. The the, the mantle, uh, the people, if you will, with the answers are not there anymore. They have uh, adhered to their pre-exit destination or predestined exit doctrine. Instead, and that's why they don't have answers for the, the the circumstances that are going on right now before your eyes. That is the the leadership is being shifted from the what we would define as the evangelical denominations to a messianic vein, and it's happening everywhere, and it's happening fast. Why? Because his coming is soon, even at the door. When you see Yerushalayim being surrounded by armies. What does it say? I believe we're instructed to look up. You will, For your redemption draweth nigh. You will know that it is right at the door. Not 10, 20, 30, or 40 years away, but instead right at the door. So who did it say at the end of this passage in Psalms 83 jumped in to help the descendants of Lot that's Ammonites and Moabites. That's the Palestinian people, most of which are from Transjordan prior to the rebirth of Israel. That's who is helping the Palestinians most? What's it say? Assur. Assyria has also jumped in to help the descendants of Lot. Psalms 83, honor about verse 8. Thank you very much. Now just ask the descendant, just ask the Palestinians who the number one nation is that has helped them forge their, their, their state and their desire to have a statehood. Syria. Right from the lips of, lips of both Caleb Mashal and Ismail Haniyeh. Those are the, that's the leader of the, the two leader, main leaders of Hamas. Syria. Ask Benjamin Netanyahu and Ehud Olmert and, uh, Barak and, and, and the different leaders in Israel where the real power lies. 
in the Middle East. They'll say it's not Iran. Yes, Iran has the armaments, but the shots are being called from just north of the border, Damascus. 